okay, forget about what Instagram told you to do. What would make you feel better right now? Welcome to The Lavender Lifestyle, the podcast on personal growth and lifestyle design. My name's Eileen, and I'm here to guide you to become a master artist of life. Every Sunday, you'll get new insight and inspiration on how to create your dream life. After the episode, the conversation continues in our Lavender Lifestyle Facebook group, so I can't wait to see you there. Life is an art. Make it your masterpiece. Hello, my loves. Welcome back to the Lavender Lifestyle. It's Eileen. Today, I am so, so, so excited because it is the launch of our 2021 Artist of Life workbook. So please, please check it out at shop.lavender.com. I am just so happy and relieved that it's out. I'm excited to hear what you have to think about it because I did a major design change for this version. I just felt like it was time to change things up. So I took a risk. I changed the look and feel of the workbook and I changed some exercises. I added some new exercises in that I'm excited about and I took a couple out that I didn't feel were serving us anymore and that is a risk in itself because I know some people are so tied to previous versions that they loved but you know what? Change is something that I'm embracing. I'm embracing evolution, leveling up, all of that so hopefully it's something that you like. So again, check it out at shop.lavender.com. So today on the podcast, we are chatting diversity and wellness with Lestranda Alfred. Les is the creator of Balanced Black Girl and host of Balanced Black Girl podcast. She started her career in fitness as a personal trainer and fitness instructor in 2012 and launched her first blog, The Balanced Berry, in 2014 to share her love of fitness and nutrition with others. As a personal trainer and nutrition coach, Les spent over five years helping women reach their wellness goals in a balanced, sustainable way. After taking some time off from fitness in 2018, she pivoted to create Balanced Black Girl to introduce her community to Black women experts in health and wellness. Balanced Black Girl provides content and community creating safe spaces for millennial Black women to live their healthiest lives. Hello, Les. Welcome to The Lavender Lifestyle. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you for having me, Eileen. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So tell us about your story because I want to know your background, how you grew up and how that led to you getting into the fitness and wellness space. Yeah, definitely. So I am originally from the Seattle area. That is where I grew up and spent my whole life up until pretty recently. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And I was always pretty quiet, really kept to myself. I wasn't, I wouldn't say that I was ever particularly very outgoing or very social, just always kind of kept to myself. But when I was in college, I became really interested in fitness. And that was primarily inspired by a corporate internship that I was working the summer between my junior and senior year. It was just my first time sitting in a cubicle, being at a desk all day, sitting still. And I just, I did not feel good. I didn't feel good mentally. I didn't feel good physically. And so I thought, okay, well, maybe if I get a little more intentional about moving my body and maybe eating something other than like mm-hmm. pizza, because I'm pretty sure that was all I was mm-hmm. eating at the time, maybe I'll feel better. Maybe I'll have a little more energy because I knew I, w- I was probably going to end up back in that job after mm-hmm. graduation. And that just opened up this whole wide world of mm-hmm. wellness from that point on. Yeah. So when, at what point did you decide like, okay, let's start a blog. Let's become a coach or a trainer. Yeah. 
Yeah. So let's see. So back when I first started getting into fitness, it was right before my senior year of college. That was back 2010. And Mm -hmm. after college, I started working in the corporate world, was still really passionate about fitness and wellness. And I just found that honestly, like the times during the day when I was happiest were when I was taking care of myself. It was when I was making myself a good meal. It was when I was working out at the gym. That was just what made me happy. And I dove really deep into the online wellness Mm -hmm. space, which back then was pretty different than it is now. A lot of it was very focused on blogs and it was very focused on kind of long form content of people just sharing their lives and sharing what they were doing real time. Just so different. 2010. I mean, that's a decade ago, but I do remember the blogging days. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. So different. And, um, and even YouTube back then was, was totally different. And, um, I, I spent years like reading and loving other people's blogs that finally I was like, why don't I just do this? Mm -hmm. I can create, I can write. I spend so much time reading everyone else's. Why don't I just create my own? Yeah. And I had a lot of fear around that. I didn't, after I had that realization, immediately start a blog. It wasn't until about another two years later that I finally worked up the Mm. courage to start a blog. Yeah. Even after I started my blog, it wasn't until another six months later that I even told anybody about it or shared it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I started my old blog, The Balance Berry, in 2014. And so that was was my little corner of the internet where I shared wellness advice and recipes and, and workouts and all that fun stuff. Yeah. And it was strictly a blog. Did you also do other platforms? It was strictly a blog. Yeah. I I would dabble and do the occasional YouTube video like every once in a blue moon, but never consistently. Um, But yeah, it was mainly the blog and Instagram. Yeah. And what was your corporate job? Was it any way related to blogging or wellness? Not at all, at least not at that time when I first started. When I first started, I was working in corporate finance for like a huge Yeah, that's so different. It was so different. Mm -hmm. I did eventually end up moving into communications because I thought, okay, well, if I can get back into writing, that was kind of what I studied, what I'd worked in in college, um, maybe that will help me with just being creative and creating content. So I did, over the course of my career, transition from finance to more of a communications and marketing space, Mm -hmm. but... That in and of itself took a long time. <laughs> I see. And then at what point did you pivot to your podcast? Like what made you decide there's a shift there, right? Mm-hmm. What, what made you make that decision? And what's the yeah. difference between then and now? Yeah, it was a really big shift. So mm-hmm. back when I was doing my old blog, I was primarily focused on fitness and recipes. So mm-hmm. it was kind of cookie cutter wellness content. And I feel like, you know, even five years ago, what people were sharing online was so different, very curated, but in a way that was so different from now. So it was all about having like a beautifully lit food and sharing yeah. things that were packaged in a very specific way. And I had also pivoted to create an online personal training business because somewhere mm. in there, um, right around the time I started my blog, I was also working as a personal trainer on the side. And I pivoted online because um, it was just easier to kind of grow and scale my business that way. And I found that people Mm -hmm. who read my blog and who followed me on social media were interested in working with me. So I was doing that online. So it was a lot of fitness content. It was a lot of creating workouts for people. And I had just kind of built a whole business around that where I had clients that I was creating, you know, recipes and and workouts for. And I got so burned out. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you still kept your job, right? Yeah. Throughout all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that I can't imagine the amount of work. It's like you're working three jobs. Really? It really was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I just, I hit this point, and this was back in 2018, where I just didn't want to do it anymore. I was tired mm-hmm. of talking about food. I was tired of talking about fitness. You know, those are things that I still love in my personal life. I still, you know, love to cook for myself and I love exercise, but I got tired of talking about it all the time. I got Mm -hmm. tired of creating recipes all the time and feeling like everything I did had to be perfect. And even working with my personal training clients, a lot of the time issues around body image and body dysmorphia would come up. And a lot of that Mm -hmm. was really triggering for me. And I finally was just like, I just want to do these things because I enjoy it and I'm tired of it feeling like work. I had taken a break from social media in 2018. I just was like, okay, I'm going to completely walk away from this. Mm. I had uh, finished up all my personal training contracts. I had taken a break off of Instagram for like a month or two. I just totally had walked away from it and was really trying to figure out what I wanted to do next, was dove really deep into self-care and some interesting things started happening. So on one hand, when I was taking time off, I was getting these messages from women who followed me basically saying, hey, Les, I know you're taking time for yourself, but I really hope you'll come back because when you're not posting, I don't see other black women, I don't see other women of color who look like me Mm. posting what you post or talking about wellness. So I had that kind of in the back of my head because I was getting these these emails and these messages trickling in of women saying that. And then on the other hand, as I was taking this time off, I was really diving deep into self-care. I was doing self-care programming and going to different wellness events, not for working purposes, but just to really pour into myself. And I noticed that there was just not a lot of diversity Mm -hmm. in the people attending, in the topics and in the content. And I just found that it it wasn't that helpful for me. Ah, (laughs) Um, Because people who shared my lived experience weren't there and weren't taking part in it. And so... Having all of this happening kind of all at the same time, I realized that I wanted to pivot to create a space where other women who felt how I was feeling and who felt how a lot of my followers were feeling um, had a safe space where they felt like they had wellness content they could relate to. Mm. Can you talk about the distinctions? Like, why did you feel like those wellness workshops, you couldn't relate to them? And what is it, like, how is wellness self-care for Black women different than just anything else? Yeah. And I I think the reasons that we have to practice self-care are different. And I think 2020 has shown that Mm -hmm. for, for a lot of us, you know, what we've seen with the events this year and police brutality and all of these traumatizing events. And when those traumatizing events happen to people who are like you, that's a lot, that's a lot to work through. And it's a very different reason to take care of yourself than if you see those things and you feel like it can never happen to you, you know? Mm -hmm. And are the techniques any different? Like, do you have specific, I don't know, are there any specific things that are different or is just, just the reason that's different? I would say a lot of it is the intention that's different and Mm -hmm. also just having the people that you learn from be culturally competent and informed in the traumas that you go through will definitely impact the way you practice that self-care. Right. Because I'm sure there's lived experiences that you can share with certain people and other people just can't understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I see. So how does, I'm sure this year has like Black Lives Matter, all these current cultural topics, how does that influence your content and work? Yeah. 
I would say all of those things really remind me why it's so important to do the things that I do and creating Mm -hmm. a space where my listeners can come and learn from black women experts who understand their lived experience, who are, like I said, kind of trauma informed and can speak to Mm -hmm. how it feels to be a part of that movement and to be so impacted by it. it. It really reminded me why it is so important to do the work that I do. And it's made me want to create more, create more resources and create more space for people to, to talk through and work through what they're feeling. Yeah. What, if any, are like the breakthrough ideas that have helped your audience, you know, in terms of your experience as a Black woman? Are there any, mm-hmm. right, like the, those breakthrough ideas or concepts that you'd want more people out there to know? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, I love that question. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, I think when it comes to self-care, there's still a lot of misconceptions about it. And I wonder if you feel the same, the same way with the work that you do, you know, a lot of it is so internal and it's not necessarily the pretty stuff that I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people can associate it with, or they associate it with kind of being this like luxurious experience. And if they're going Mm -hmm. through hard things, it's like, I don't have time for that right now. I'm dealing with real life, but actually self-care really is dealing with the real life stuff. (laughs) Um, It's making sure that you're based needs are taken care of so that you can feel safe and function clearly so that you can grieve and and feel what it is that you need to feel. And I think a lot of people are coming around to understanding that self-care isn't necessarily this kind of commodified thing that social Mm -hmm. media has presented. It's kind of become that way in the past few years, right? Like brands have commercialized self-care, like you have to take this bath, buy this product and this and that. But at the heart of it, self-care is really about like doing the inner work, taking care of yourself. 100%. And Mm. so many of the conversations I've seen that have been so refreshing is just people being really honest with themselves about what they need. It's like, okay, forget about what Instagram told you to do. What would make you feel better right now? Like what's on your mind? What's, Mm -hmm. what are you worried about? And how can we take what it is that you're worried or stressing about and break it into steps so that you can address Mm. it? Yeah. And for you, I mean, what does self-care look like for you in your life right now? Mm, that's such a good question. It's It's been interesting during this time of quarantine because it's really forced me to be still a lot more than I think I usually like to. <laughs> yeah. Um, it can be very easy for me to get very caught up in work and to lose myself in that and to go to events and be networking and, and out doing all of these things. And it's really forced me to deal with things, maybe things from my childhood or yeah. experiences from when I was younger that for years I just kind of shoved down. Mm-hmm by being busy. Mm-hmm. Um, now that I'm not as busy, it's it's really time to it's time to address those things. And at the beginning of quarantine, I had a lot harder time with it because a lot mm-hmm. of that stuff was coming up and I was so uncomfortable with it. And so self-care for me has looked a lot like not being so uncomfortable with some of those challenging memories and processing mm. them and allowing myself to move forward. I think that is so important. And it's amazing that you're aware of your, like you're aware of what's happening. Like it's coming up, it's uncomfortable. And I think most people, they don't even recognize that part, right? And it can, can you kind of like give our listeners a more detailed picture of like what that looks like when something comes up? How do you process it? What are the things you actually do? 
Yeah, that's such a, I love that. So I think part of why those memories can be so uncomfortable for us is because it takes us back to a time where maybe we were really vulnerable and we were in a painful situation or maybe we weren't safe, you know, or or we were unprotected. Mm -hmm. And when I have those moments where I kind of start to get that panic or I refer back to that younger version of myself that maybe felt vulnerable or unsafe, I have to remind myself that now I am safe, that now I'm actually not that young girl or teenage girl who was going through that experience that I I now do have the tools to process it and that going back and, and looking at those memories and processing them are not a threat to my safety and that I, I can let that guard down with myself. So I'm constantly reminding myself, you are safe, you can handle this, you have the tools and, and really affirming those experiences. Yeah. Wow. That's like a game changer mindset that to re- recognize that when you were young at that time, you didn't know how to process it, but now you do. So mm-hmm. it's, it makes it less daunting. Like the adult self is more equipped to, t- you know, to handle this and to just to work through it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And do you journal or like, what is your, what are the actual tools that you do? I do. I love journaling. Mm-hmm. Big journaler. Um, it's a good reminder for me because I'm about to fill up a journal. I probably yeah. have like tomorrow in my morning <laughs> routine before I need to get a new journal because I'm constantly writing things down. And for me, my journaling practice, it's two days are never the same. It's not like I follow a prescriptive template. I can wake up and I can write three pages of how I'm feeling. I can wake up and I can write three affirmations or I can write about some piece of resentment that I'm still feeling and want to release. Um, My journaling practice is definitely not prescriptive, but it is one of the best ways that I can really express myself. Um, I would say another tool for me that's been really helpful is therapy. Mm. I've, you know, gone to therapy on and off over the past couple of years, but I have been consistently in therapy while we're here in quarantine. And that's been really helpful um, because I, I have kind of had the space to process a lot of things that come up while I'm in therapy Mm -hmm. when previous times when I was going to therapy and life was still really busy, I would like go and have a conversation with my therapist and maybe it was hard, but then I'd leave and and be busy and kind of not forget all about it, but still wouldn't fully process things. I would also say just simplifying things. So simplifying my life, simplifying my business and and simplifying my days, creating Mm. more space um, has been a really helpful tool for me so that I don't feel so pressured to like be doing things all of the time. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like the pressure I'm, for really. a content creator to like constantly be creating and working. I mean, how do you manage the day to day? Like, do you bundle things together? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. I'm a really big fan of batching. So I'm all about mm-hmm. batching content and honestly, just creating less content. I mean, mm. <laughs> I, I love that. <laughs> I'm all yeah, for it. <laughs> I just like yeah. do less and I make sure that what I do share is really good and really high quality, yeah. but I don't put pressure on myself to, to do things every single day like I used to. Mm-hmm. And that's been so helpful. <laughs> right. Like that, I'm sure that speaks to the time when you were burnt out from blogging, right? Exactly. Like you don't want to do that again. No. And it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. There was a time in podcasting where I was really burned out. I was podcasting yeah. a lot more than I am now. And I remember reading a review during a time where I was really stressed out. And one of my listeners was like, Les, I love what you do, but I can hear your stress in your voice. <laughs> so maybe you oh, should no. take a break. And I was like, wow. Maybe I should. Like I'm trying to 
teach others how to be balanced and how to create calm. And I'm stressing people out because they yeah. can feel my stress. Like the irony. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, anyway, I do see this trend in social media moving towards like authenticity, doing less, having more balance, because what you were talking about, the 2018, those perfectly curated food fitness blogs with the perfect photos and Instagram being so perfect, like people are so sick of that, right? Mm-hmm. Like we'd rather oh, yeah. you stop creating so much like perfect content and just be real. For sure. And I think people are... I think we're at a very interesting time now where people are not not fully turning on social media. That's very dramatic because mm-hmm. we all very much still use it, especially this year where mm-hmm. a lot of us are just at home. But I think people are being a lot more discerning with how much time they spend on the platforms and people just don't want to consume as much content yeah. as they used to. Yeah. And so that's fine with me because I don't want to create as much <laughs> Same. as I used to. Same. That know. is how I feel too. Because before I had like a consistent schedule, I put out two videos a week and I've really dialed it back lately. And just because I don't want to be pumping out so much content, feeling that stress. And yeah, people don't want to consume that much content anyway. Yeah, exactly. So we can all just go back to living our real lives off screen, <laughs> more time off exactly. screen. Simple for everyone. Yeah. So moving forward, I mean, how do you feel? Because there still isn't that much diversity in this wellness self-care space. So being a Black woman in this space, how do you feel and what do you hope to do moving forward? Yeah. It's interesting because it's not like there aren't people doing the work. Like there are a ton of Black women and women of color talking about this stuff. I mean, you and I Mm -hmm. are a prime example. Like we, we are, and we have been for a long time. And there's so many people who it's the same thing. Um, the issue is that either the big platforms that kind of control who gets seen when don't necessarily Mm -hmm. recognize that work or don't show that work to a broader audience. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, that's been my goal in highlighting who I highlight on my platform is like, who's doing really dope work and maybe not getting the shine? Like who is the Instagram algorithm, like not showing love to, but they actually do such dope work and I want more people to know about it. That's amazing that you do that because it's so true. There are a lot of people out there trying to make it, trying to do the work, but it's, I don't know. It's just the way things are set up. It's harder for certain people to be seen. Yeah, exactly. Mm. It's like the, the gatekeepers in charge are just still not really budging or they they will include some diversity, but it's the same people over and over and and no disrespect Mm -hmm. to that. Cause I think even the same people who get highlighted are great, but there's just so much more out there. There's more room for growth. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess what would your tips be to aspiring like young black creators out there who are trying to be heard from what you've done? Yeah. I think really being connected to your audience is so important. I, as a podcaster, I get questions all the time about how to start a podcast from people I know to people I don't Mm -hmm. know. The second I started a podcast, that was all anybody wanted to talk to me about was how I started one. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. y'all, I have access to the same Google you do. I didn't know how to do this. I (laughs) wanted to learn. And so I figured it out. And I think people get so hung up on what equipment they have or what camera they use. And those things are important, but it's actually way more important that you have a solid message and that you're really connecting with your audience. And if you have a solid message and you're really supporting your audience, then, you know, 
then you can worry about what microphone or what camera to use. But people, I think, are getting hung up mm-hmm. on the wrong things. Yeah. It's not about the gear. It's about your actual content totally. and your connection. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, a perfect example yeah. of that is like Tabitha Brown, who's amazing. Everybody loves her. She blew up this year. Everything she does is straight up iPhone, like repurposed from TikTok. <laughs> and we love her because yeah. we love who she is, not how fancy her videos mm-hmm. are. I've seen that too, like in a kind of like going away from the perfection of blogs. And even at one point, like YouTube videos were getting higher and higher, higher production. And not to say that it's not, it's going to go away, but the rise of TikTok has shown that iPhone quality is just as good. Like it's good Mm -hmm. enough and it can still work and connect to people. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. I also think that creators, and it's it's natural to do this, but get really, really caught up in the numbers. And mm-hmm. that's something that I would also recommend, just not letting that get you bogged down. I um, yeah. Even earlier this week, I was doing kind of a Q&A on Instagram about podcasting because I just was getting so many questions. And uh, someone, I kept getting people say, well, how do I grow my podcast? How do I grow my podcast? And so I started asking them questions back of, what does it mean to grow your podcast? What what does that mean to you? What what numbers are you looking to reach? Like, where are you right now? What does it mean to you to grow your podcast? Is this just kind of some ambiguous thing that you want? Do you think that when you reach a certain number of downloads that like someone's going to come to your house and mm-hmm. hand you a thousand dollars? Like, what do you, yeah. why do you want to grow and, and what does growth actually mean? What, what does that do for you? Um, and helping people really understand that it's not really about that and that it's not about the numbers because behind every number is a person person who's actually consuming and engaging with your content. So what what are you doing to really reach the people who are behind that number? Yeah, totally. There is one thing I want to bring up and ask you about. Like I saw that you had Michelle Obama attend <laughs> your Balanced Black Girl Book Club. I mean, how yes. did that happen and how was that experience? Uh, it was the best thing ever. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever top it. It was the best right. thing Right. That's like a life dream. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> it really was. So I previously was doing book clubs with Balanced Black Girl. At the time when I was still living in Seattle, I was doing book club meetups with a group of some were just my friends, some women who attended, listened to the podcast, and some just heard about a book club mm. and you know wanted people to hang out with. So we had a small group of women get together. We'd read Becoming not long after it came out and we I had posted about it kind of shared on social media about it and kind of moved on from it didn't think much of it and one of my coworkers at the time basically had a connection with um, Michelle Obama's team because she was doing her Mm -hmm. book tour at that Mm -hmm. time which feels like years ago but it was only last year oh my god because so much has happened. And basically my coworker was like, well, you know, one of my coworkers just had a book club for Becoming. Can we get her a ticket to come to the tour? I think she'd really like to come. And Michelle Obama's team was like, okay, well, she actually is meeting with book clubs at every tour stop. So would your friend's book club like to meet her and have a book club meeting with her? Um, So she gave them my information and they reached out and asked. And I was like, obviously. What else am I doing? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so it was really special. So 15 of us got to meet her and we talked to her for like almost two hours. Like it was a long time. That is amazing. It's amazing that she did that. And the fact that it's so intimate, like you really got quality time. Oh my gosh. I was sitting right next (laughs) to her and it, 
it still feels like it didn't really happen. Wow. <laughs> so surreal. I mean, what was your biggest takeaway from just her being there? Yeah. One of the things that she said, and it, it really stuck out to me, was about the importance of us all sharing our stories. Mm-hmm. Um, because we we talked a lot about the book, and then it just kind of turned into a session of all of us just asking her for advice about yeah. different things <laughs> happening in our lives. She gives great advice. Um <laughs> And she really just emphasized the importance of us all owning and sharing our stories because we all have a story. All of our stories have power. And when we share them ourselves, they don't get misconstrued. They don't, you know, they don't get misinterpreted. Um, For her, obviously, being one of the most high profile people in the world, she has a lot of eyes on her. But even for people like us who are just kind of present on the internet, there can be a lot of misconceptions about us. And so Mm -hmm. when we really own our stories, it it helps us kind of take our power back. And um, so that was just my biggest takeaway from her. That was Own your story. Amazing. So moving on, we have some audience questions from Instagram. Annabelle asks, how do I get a calm personality when I'm easily angry? (laughs) Because I know you have a lot of tips on de-stressing and calming down, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think it's it's important that we like allow ourselves to feel the full range of emotion. And so... I think, you know, for, for Annabelle, if that's her name, Mm -hmm. um, it is good to understand patterns. So are there specific things that make you angry? Are there specific things that trigger that anger? And what can you do within your power to kind of mitigate those situations from happening? Whether it is people that you're around, either having a conversation, if they bring out that part of you, what usually happens then? And, and can you either change the subject or maybe change who you spend time around, um, is that anger something that you're not processing? You know, it can be very easy to have misplaced anger where we're mad about one thing, but we take it out on something else or we're, we're upset about something mm-hmm. and then, you know, something else small happens and we just blow up because we're not processing our emotions. Um, I, I Earlier today, I was speaking at an event and I'm going to kind of butcher this quote, but one of the women who I was speaking with on this panel, she was a therapist and she said something along the lines of, like what we don't express our bodies will. So it, it Ooh, yeah, like how that. we feel comes out one way or another. And so I think if you're someone who is maybe feeling a lot of anger and, and you don't, that doesn't resonate with you, it's important to really understand why that is and to really take a look at what it is you might also be feeling that you're not addressing. Mm. I love that. What a great answer to that question. It was so good. (laughs) Um, Anaya asks, how can I believe in myself? How did you do it? Mm, I love that. So, you know, I don't think anybody fully believes in themselves all the time. I think it's a daily thing. It's day by day. It's task by task. I wouldn't say that every day with everything I do, I believe in myself, but I take it one day at a time. And I think that's kind of all the best that you can do. And it's good to understand the difference between kind of healthy caution and fear that's holding you back. So, If there's something you want to do and you feel like you don't believe in yourself, is that kind of like your fight or flight kicking in trying to protect you? Is that a limiting belief you've held on to that doesn't serve you? Um, I think it's it's good to get to the root of why you don't believe in yourself to really address that. But I also think it's good to have Mm -hmm. evidence of all the cool things that you do. Like I know for me, anytime someone like sends something nice about work that I do or compliments 
something, I screenshot it and I save it for a rainy day. As I do that too. Yes. I have a folder just yes. of like nice things people say just because you need it sometimes. It Me just reminds too. you. Yeah. It does. It's that evidence of, you know, times where maybe you, you were feeling better or evidence of, of the great things that you do have to offer mm-hmm. um, and to just take it one thing at a time. Yeah, love it. Lauren asked, is Fitspo good or bad for us? That's a great question. I think it depends. I mean, I am someone who I like to ask a lot of questions. So when I worked in fitness, and even now still people still talk to me a lot about fitness and bodies and body image, because I think Mm -hmm. that's what can be really triggering for a lot of people. Um, Or people will want to talk about losing weight or things like that. And I'm like, well, why? Why do you want your body to look Mm -hmm. a certain way? Who says that bodies should look that way? And when I started really Mm -hmm. asking those questions and investigating more, I realized that all of these (laughs) systems and photos and all of these ideas of how our bodies should look are completely made up. (laughs) It's made up. It's Mm -hmm. not based in anything real saying that our stomach has to look a certain way or that our arms have to look a certain way or that a fit body only looks one way, like that is a complete made up construct. And so I would say if you're able Mm -hmm. to see fitness content or people, you know, creating that and it doesn't trigger you, like that's great. And I think that if it does, then it's probably time to take a step back. So I think it's all about, do you have a healthy mindset? Can you look at that and not compare yourself and still honor your own journey. Because if you can still honor your own journey, Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a problem with it. But if it does make you compare yourself, then it's good to take a step back, not look at it and to really investigate where that feeling of comparison comes from. Right. Yeah, that that's so key to recognize because I think most people naturally like lean towards like comparing themselves to what they see on screen. And like that's what you have to address. And part of why I honestly wanted to stop creating content was because I was like, I don't want to be one of those people that makes people feel bad or that makes Mm, people question how they feel because I'm someone who I have a lot of privilege. I'm like naturally a thin person. I naturally look fit even when I'm not that fit. Like that's just kind of how my body is. And so if I'm posting things as if, you know, doing what I'm doing is going to make you look like me, that's really irresponsible. Like, no, my DNA is what's going to make you look like me. So I need to find something else to leverage. Wow. I think it's amazing that you acknowledge that, right? Because there are, I I think it happens so often. People who are naturally thin post Mm -hmm. pictures like, oh, this is how I did it. But then, uh, you know, not everyone can relate to that. It doesn't work for everyone. And yeah, it's such a interesting space. And it, yeah, I think we all just need more like real authentic people and more acceptance. Totally. More acceptance and more just questioning like why do we why do we even want to be thin? Like why yeah. is thinness what people aspire to be? Mm-hmm. Like why? Yeah. yeah, I love how you question everything, you get to the root <laughs> of everything. I, I I'm similar in the way that we think. Yeah. Okay, so now I have some rapid fire questions that I ask all of our guests at the end of the show. So the first question is what does your dream life look like? Ooh, my dream life. My dream life looks like me living near the beach. Um, I actually do live not that far from the beach now, but I want to live like at the beach, on on the beach. I want to see the water from my window. And it looks like just having a lot of space to flow 
Like I am the kind of person who I love having an empty calendar and I love having a day to just adventure and explore and have no commitments. And so as many days as possible where I can just have flow, like that is my dream life. I can relate to that so hard. I love having nothing on my calendar. (laughs) The best. It is. And then you just do what you feel like doing and it just flows. Exactly. So the next one is, what is one book or resource that you recommend to everybody? Last year, I read The Four Agreements for the first time, and it was just, (gasps) it's so good. I think everybody should read Mm -hmm. it, and it's something that, and I actually, when I read it last year, I borrowed it from a friend, and I just ordered myself another copy, because I think it's also good to like read again and refresh. Um, It's a really quick read, but it's just such a good way to reset your mind, reset your mindset. And it's just, it's a life-changing book. Yes. I've actually been reading the the next version, The Fifth Agreement, oh. where he he recaps the four and then he adds a fifth one. And it's it's a good refresher too if you haven't read it. But I, I just love the concepts in that book. It's so good. And now I need The Fifth Agreement. Thank you for telling me. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What is one habit that has changed your life? Having a morning routine, just having time in the morning where I specifically don't look at my phone for the first hour or two that I'm awake and I just pour into myself. Love it. And what are the things that you do in your morning routine? Usually I will read. That's when I'll journal. That's when I'll meditate. It kind of depends on how I'm feeling. Some mornings I will truly just sip my coffee and just sit in (laughs) silence and like space out. And it's awesome. But just having time to center myself without worrying about work or anyone else's priorities, social media, like anything, putting myself and my own thoughts first at the beginning of the day is just such a game changer. Love it. What is the best life or career advice that you've ever gotten? Ooh, that's a great question. I don't know if it's necessarily advice that I've ever kind of gotten in any one Mm. place, but I think my parents did a really good job just letting me try things and never talking me out of things that I wanted to do or things that I wanted to try. And for me, it, that was just so helpful. It's yeah. why I think I've been able to just try so many things and create so many things because I just never really felt like there was anything that I couldn't do. I could always just try something. And if I didn't like <laughs> it, I could mm-hmm. try something else. But mm-hmm. I think if there's any advice that I could give probably someone who's just starting off in their career, because I think when you're finishing college and you're entering the real world, as I call it, I think we're always in the real world. But, you know, anyway. Um, we feel like where we're at in that point is where we're going to be forever. I remember feeling that way when I was in that boring finance job thinking that was where I was going to be forever. And I was so miserable and truly you're just getting started and where you are, even if you feel stuck, like I promise you, you're never stuck forever. There are always small moves that you can make and to just always like, always remember that you're never stuck in any one place. I love that. So important to know. Okay. The last one is finish the sentence. The most amazing part about life is? I think it's community and relationships, people. Awesome. And Les, where can we find you online? So you can find me on Instagram. I'm at 
Balance Less. And then we also have at Balance Black Girl podcast for the podcast account. And you can listen to new episodes of Balance Black Girl every other Tuesday. Awesome. You do have a great voice for podcasting, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Do I people mean, say so that? you. <laughs> Yeah, it's very calming. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Les, for coming on. I enjoyed this podcast. It was so fun. And you have, I I love your mind. Like, I I already love you (laughs) just from this one talk. Thank you so much. Well, I mean, I have loved your content, usually on YouTube um, for years. And so I was just so excited to talk to you and really appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. All right. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Les from Balanced Black Girl. I love the way she thinks and also her calm energy. I feel like we're on similar wavelengths, so I can really relate to her. So let me just wrap up with some takeaways from our conversation. So the first takeaway is that we definitely need more diversity in the wellness space because with more diversity, it gives audiences more lived-in experiences, more people and stories that they can truly relate to. People need to feel like they're under Understood and to feel like someone out there relates to them too. And so that just means we need more people telling their authentic stories. So yeah, if you're listening and you have this drive to do this, go out and share your story. The second thing that stood out to me was social media burnout, how we need to stop the need to be perfect and appear perfect on social media because it is exhausting. It is time for us to just be real, let down our guard, be more vulnerable with ourselves and sharing ourselves to others because it's just exhausting trying to put up fronts. And Les talked about the health and fitness space where she just got tired of making the same type of blog posts and I also loved how we both want to create less and live a more balanced life because it's not about pushing yourself to create as much as possible to appear as perfect as possible it's just about being real authentic creating things that are high quality that you are proud of and you know understand that people get tired of consuming content too so you don't have to force yourself to be creating non-stop the way a lot of creators do The last big thing that we talked about was working through trauma, how life will just send you through seasons where the past comes back up and you're forced to kind of deal with these old emotions again. And something she said really stuck with me, something along the lines of, if you don't express how you feel, your body will. So look within at your feelings and at the root cause of why you're feeling certain things, whether something is triggering your emotions and why. So address those feelings step by step and work through it. Don't be afraid to move through that. All right, that's it for this podcast. Sending you all so much love and I will talk to you next time. Bye. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Lavender Lifestyle. If you like this podcast, please show your support by leaving a review on iTunes. Lastly, you can catch me on YouTube and Instagram at Lavender, where I have even more content for the artist of life. Sending you so much love. Bye.